reaction. Hello everybody and welcome to Missed Opportunities brought to you by Your Little Sisters Productions. I'm Taya. I'm Laura. And today we are talking about Mythica 2, which the Dark Spore, the Dark Spore is the name of it. And sorry if we are a little saucy <laughs> right now. Um, this is the second time that we have had to re-record one of our podcasts due to technical difficulties. So we've already actually gone through this, like our last episode. We had already uh, recorded it, and now we have to re-record it. So we are a little upset. Please bear with us. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> following along with us. Hopefully we can get some better recording equipment for future episodes so that this never happens again. If you would like to help us with that, you can support us um, on any of our social medias, which are Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, and YouTube. We are Your Little Sisters Productions. You can also tweet us at YLS underscore productions. And if you would like to speed up the process and support us monetarily, you can go to patreon.com slash Flake. That's T-A-I-A. J-O-Y-F-L-A-K-E and <clears throat> you can click on either the YouTube channel or the podcast channel obviously the podcast uh, money will come directly here to help us get better recording equipment uh, so that we can uh, not have this problem in the future so moving on <laughs> we're talking about Mythica again <laughs> so Laura is going to do the summary for us yes I am reading I'm taking most of this from the Wikipedia page for the Mythica film series and then adding in parts that I think are relevant or that we'll be talking about in the podcast. So according to Wikipedia, this is the plot. Following immediately from the end of A Quest for Heroes, which is the first Mythica movie, Tila's sister is killed by Kishkumen, a dark magician with yellow eyes who also steals the mysterious stone that she was carrying and wants to give it to his master, Sorlock. We find out that Sorlock is a necromancer. More on him later, but just know that he's an evil necromancer and Kishkumen is his second-in-command henchman person. Meanwhile, the sorcerer Gojin Pai, who was played by Kevin Sorbo, tells Merrick about the stone, a fragment of the full dark spore, a piece that can give the user immense power, and it once belonged to someone called the Lich King. Sorlock and his followers a long time ago found it, and, sorry, this sentence on Wikipedia doesn't make sense. I'm trying to make sense of it. So Rock and his followers years ago found it. And they were uh, trying to use its powers. Sorlock ended up killing his followers in order to try and unite all the fragments of it into one and become immensely powerful. But Gojin Pai and some other good sorcerers stopped him from being able to do that and took it away, breaking into fra fragments again. And hid them in different parts of the world. The first one was with Tila's sister. And the second one is hidden in a dragon's lair in an ancient ruined city that giants used to live in. That is the scene for this movie. That is where they're going to be going. And why this movie is called the Dark Spore. Because they're going to be going to the ancient ruined city to fight a dragon to get the Dark Spore fragment that's there. Gojin Pai, a.k.a. Kevin Sorbo, also tells Merrick about who she is. She is a necromancer, just like Sorlock. And that is why Sorlock wants Merrick. I should back up as to who, how Sorlock knows who Merrick is. Every time she uses her powers, 
she is making herself available to be seen by other necromancers. Very much like when Frodo in Lord of the Rings puts on the ring and the ring race can sense him because he's on this different plane or using certain magic. It's exactly the same thing as this one. So Sorilok knows who Merrick is, he can see her power, and he wants to try and turn her to his side so he can use her power. Uh, that power is also what Tila sensed in the previous film when she was trying to heal Merrick's leg. And it's saying that Merrick could very easily succumb to evil if she isn't careful about using her power. So Merrick and her company, which includes Tila, Dagon, and Thane, they go on a journey to the ruined city and to try and prevent Sorlock from obtaining the Darkspore. Along the way, they meet Cole, a mysterious dark elf warrior with his face marks with strange drawings that allow him to be unharmed by dark magic. He allies... Al allies? He lives. He lives. <laughs> He's alive! <laughs> I wish! He allies! Spoiler. <laughs> Spoilers already! He allies himself with Merrick after she saves him from fairies, which... Oh my gosh, that scene... And at the same time, so they, so Cole joins them. They're all heading to this ancient ruined city where giants used to live to fight a dragon. It's a lot of fantasy stuff going on there. The pimp from the previous movie who tried to capture Merrick and she injured and struggling against him, he goes to the man who currently owns Merrick and has all the, this bounty on her head and all these wanted posters for the runaway slave. And he buys her from him and sends his own two female elves, who I, I don't know if they're bounty hunters or adventurers, but he sends them to track Merrick down. So they're trying to beat Kishkumen and his army to this ruined city to get this fragment of the dark spore so that they don't get it. At the same time, they're being pursued by these two female elves who are tracking them, trying to get Merrick and bring her back. The good news is, that they were told to bring Merrick back. We watch it. They're told to bring Merrick back alive and unharmed. So we know that they're not going to hurt her. But they very well could and would hurt everyone else she's with. And they look as close to Gina Carano as you can get without getting Gina Carano. Yeah. <laughs> like they actually look like they could hurt people and cause real harm. Because a lot of the times in movie, I, I don't know about a lot of times. Let me back that up. No, maybe I will say a lot of the time. A lot of the time. <laughs> I was going to say, I can think of quite a few examples, including City of Bones that we talked about, where I was saying that the kid that plays Chase is not believable as... As Jace. As Jace, because he's not... Uh, he doesn't look big enough to take down, like, to punch a vampire or whatever. Punch and, a vampire out, believe Yeah. Yeah, it's... A lot of times in these action movies, because actors tend to be really slim, especially in Hollywood, mm -hmm. that's been the trend for a while now, they don't look like they could actually do anybody any harm. They don't look as though they have the muscle bulk or anything. And I have always wanted to be in an action film. I love action films. It's my favorite genre. I don't care if I'm the hero, the villain, the psychic. I just would love to be in one, have a really cool thing. But I'm very short and small. And I know that I could not believably stand up to someone who's a foot taller than me and really bulky with lots of muscle, even if I gained muscle and make it believable that I could knock them out or take them on in a hand-to-hand -hand fight. I would have to be imbued with magical powers and strength, a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
or I would have to be an assassin or an archer or sniper, someone who, or someone who's like a ninja. I'm just in and out so fast that you can't catch me, and that's how I'm able to. Mm-hmm. If you've ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender, there's a woman in there who she is an acrobat and she hits pressure points that make you unable to use your arms or your legs or mm-hmm. even your face. And she's wicked fast. So she get, just gets in there and she punches these pressure points and then your arms and legs are useless. Nice. And even your head. Because one time she does that to someone and he tries to use his head against her. She <laughs> makes his head numb. So I'd have to be someone like that in an action movie because I know that even if I bulked up and spent all day every day in the gym and eating protein powder, I still could not believably look like someone who could take other people down. So when I saw these two women as the ones that they sent after this group, I was so happy because they look like they could actually do harm. And that's good because you want to be truly afraid of what they're going to do to the company. Yeah, absolutely. I like them. I was sad when they died. (laughs) Which is a spoiler for the end, yeah. We've already, because we recorded this once already, (laughs) it's kind of hard to remember things to say. But So the end of the movie, which is not in the Wikipedia thing. Yeah, so the Wikipedia goes until, so they're being tracked by those two women. And so what happens is they get to a portal, which is going to take them to this ruined city where the Dark Spore is. But Kishkumen and his men caught, catch up with them. Along the way to this portal, let me back up, they do face fairies, these little blue flying things, and they save Cole, the Dark Elf, from it, from them. Excuse me. Dagon doesn't like him, but the women do a lot, and we'll talk about why and all that <laughs> later. <laughs> But they like him and he joins their troop. They also are in a bog and get attacked by bog whites, which almost kill them all. Merrick uses her magic, including necromancy, which also almost kills them all. Cole is able to stop her from doing that because he can't be affected by dark magic and necromancy is dark magic. So he's able to stop her just shy of killing everybody. Dagon, this is the second time that she has taken life force from Dagon and he has three fingers that have turned black and are now unable he can't feel them he can't use them not a great place to be if you're a thief or an archer and he is both and he's very he was very 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 upset he was already upset that they trusted cole now he's upset because he can't use his hand and it's merrick's fault for using that magic and then they make it to the portal merrick figures out how to activate it for lack of a better term kishkumen arrives and he poisons tila and says, I'll give you the antidote for her if you go there and bring me back the dark spore in two hours or less. Tila says, you're all fools. Let me die. I'm not more important than the dark spore. They're like, haha, I know we're going. So they go and their plan apparently is to get the dark spore, but not give it to Kishkumen and try to rescue Tila without it. So they go into the city. They're going through this tunnel and this tunnel is cursed. And basically makes you live out a nightmare or have nightmares but you're, while you're still awake. So everyone's having these visions. They're not really sure what senses to trust. The only one who's safe, again, is Cole because he can't be affected by dark magic. He has markings on his face that protect him. And then they face down a dragon. Dagon and Cole almost die. 
Merrick saves them using magic, not necromancy this time, but just magic, right? Yeah, she- a wand that Dagon uh, steals from a guy that was stuck in the tunnel, that was asleep in the tunnel. Yeah, one of yeah, there were other people asleep in the tunnel from the nightmares and the curse on the tunnel, and he stole this wand. So she uses this wand to take down the dragon. They, di- they get the dark spore. Dagon goes one way with it to try to get far away from Kishkumen, and everyone else goes back to try and save Tila. However, the two women who had caught up with them earlier, I forgot to mention, the, co- the two women caught up with Merrick, captured her for like half a second before she got away. They catch up with Dagon and bring him back to Kishkumen. And they find out that the stone Dagon had was not the real dark spore. And Kishkumen is threatening to kill Tila. They say, we don't know where it is. And Cole brings out the real dark spore and hands it over and says, end my... What was, it, what was the word he said? Curse. And my curse. My debt to you is now paid. And they're all mad at Cole. And he said, you promised they wouldn't be hurt. But then, of course, because Kishkumen is evil, he stabs Tila. And his army and the group start fighting. And they're all fighting for their lives. Dagon, at one point, tries to fight Cole. And Cole's just looking at him like, you're an idiot. Why are you fighting me? Because he's fighting against Kishkumen and his army alongside them. He's like, why are you fighting me? And so Dagon's trying to kill Cole. Cole's just deflecting, and eventually they have to go and fight the army because there's too many of them. And unfortunately, during the battle, Cole does die, as well as the two women who were sent after Merrick in the first place. They also die in battle. Kishkumen does get the dark spore and leaves. Cole stabs him, and then he uses he sucks the life force out of everybody that's there, and uh gets enough power to disappear and and then so his army uh is basically flattened at that point but their little army (laughs) was like all stabbed and shot with arrows and so they weren't doing good anyway so he leaves the army's dead so they're not fighting anymore and dig in throughout the whole thing has had this health potion that he stole from the cave and the the two girls stole from him and he finally gets it back he gives it to tila and tila heals everybody and everybody is safe however because um cole had already died she can't heal him so i'm so mad about that we'll talk about (laughs) cole trust me so that's yeah so that's the end of of that battle of that battle (laughs) and then it goes the um digging he actually stole the the teeth of the dragon that they had defeated and they are going to go sell the dragon's teeth and uh, Merrick's part in it her share is the 600 gold that she needs to free herself so she goes to buy her freedom and the pimp shows up and is like nope I actually own you so all of this money that you've earned as a runaway is technically my money and he takes the money he takes her and uh, throws her in a a prison cell after making really creepy cringy gross uh threats against her <laughs> then he throws her in a prison cell and then the next scene um Dagan and Thane uh slip into the bedroom of the pimp threaten his life unless he signs away Merrick's freedom and he does they leave and Thane even pays him he's like it's all nice and legal we paid for her she's free and then they go and they get her out of the prison cell and they all meet back with Tila and they're ready to go on a new adventure the end 
<laughs> yes, that is the end. I so my biggest complaint of this movie, honestly, is that Cole does not stay alive long enough. I think he should have stayed alive until. I actually would like him to stay alive through all the movies. I have thoughts on what I would have done with him <laughs> as a character. I really liked the actor they got. I liked the character. I liked what he brought to the group. Because right now, just the four of them, Tila, Thane, Dagan, and Merrick, I like all of them individually. And I do like them together. But I feel as though there is a dynamic or balance that's missing in the group. And Cole brought that. He was very stoic. He was very calm and very still seemingly wise he had conversations with Merrick where he said wise sounding things and I really really enjoyed the balance that he brought to the group and I am so sad that they killed him off I thought his character was really interesting I would have really loved to see where they went and what happened after he betrays them and where because I don't think he betrayed them thinking that they would die. I think he truly thought that, you know, my curse will be lifted and then they'll be free and then we can just go and stop them from getting the other fragments of the Dark Spore because they don't have all of them. This is just one piece that they'll have. But now they have two of the four. That's what the other three movies are, are going <laughs> yeah. to show us. But I would have really liked to see where they went with him after that. I really liked the dynamic that he and Merrick had. I mean, they were just making googly eyes at each other from the beginning. And I didn't want him, I still want Dagan and Merrick to end up together ultimately, but I did not like Dagan in this movie very much at all. I, I think it's good that he had a little competition <laughs> to kind of humble himself a bit, get, get his feelings sorted out and the way he acts and talks to Merrick and to other women because he's constantly flirting with other women, <laughs> even though apparently he likes Merrick. But I was so upset that Cole died. Honestly, because I, I didn't like this movie as much as the first one. And Cole was one of the only things I did like about it. Because I really was wanting that sort of presence on screen. And I'm so sad that we're not getting that in the future. But, I mean, it is a fantasy. There is necromancy involved. Maybe we'll see him in the future, in future movies. I have no idea. But I, I just know if I was in charge of the script, I would have kept him alive. I we talked about this in the first recording we did which did not save but you and I together had an idea of <laughs> Karen who is Tila's sister who dies first thing in this movie so the the first movie ends <laughs> we have to talk yeah we, we have, have to, to talk about the first movie we have to talk about the happy okay so the first movie ends with a happy ending right like all of the things are resolved Karen's gonna go take the stone to the palatine and the heroes are all sitting around sharing a drink at the tavern and that is where it ends this movie <laughs> destroys the ending like it, it ruins the happy ending it takes away the satisfaction of the first movie's ending because immediately we see that Karen is dead we see that Tila is mourning and then in this weird flashback scenes that are really fast and flash hard to keep track of it's hard to know what's going on you don't yeah. know if it's a vision of the future or if it's the past or if it's present well, it's, I mean yeah. but it's the past slash you know what I mean it's 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 confusing anyway so she has these visions first like the most confusing thing about the flashbacks is the fact that the visions that we had in the first one are included in it with this the, the owl which represents Anaset. Anaset, which is the goddess. We had a lot of those in the first movie. 
um, of them any time that, that she was kind of speaking, you saw the flashes of an owl and of her face with like the owl feathers. And those were in there when it was a flashback of what had just happened. So it's very confusing to follow. Anyway, we find out that immediately, as soon as Tila sits down and like it goes, you know, roll credits, as soon as Tila sits down, she gets back up and her sister is dying outside in the, the snow. Like, like not, 10 steps outside the door. Yeah, like not long at all. And so everybody runs outside and she's sad that her sister is dead. And Thane gets drunk and is a jerk and is drunk for the whole 14 days that Tila is silent and not talking to anybody because that's their custom. And that's like their morning custom is to not speak or to be in silence or whatever for 14 days. And and so Thane gets drunk and he's a mean drunk. I did not like how me- he was being mean to Dagan. He actually slaps Merrick across the face. Which we know that he gets drunk and that he can fight when he's drunk because that's what he does in the first movie. But he's drunk, passed out on the street, sees injustice happening and saves her from it. So it doesn't work that he's like a jerk slapping girls and, and, you know, cussing everybody out because he's drunk. It's not because he's drunk. It's because he's sad because we've seen him drunk before and he still did the right thing. And this one, it like kind of ruins his character. And I think had I not seen him and Tila together in the first one, I would not want them to be together because if this was my first impression of him, I would have hated him and been like, Tila, what are you doing? Like he's a jerk. Yeah. It was not a good impression of him. <laughs> And I don't think it was a good... It's not anything that we saw from him in the first movie. And people have layers and all that stuff. But it just was so out of character. And then as soon as they do get team up back with Tila, decide to go and find this second part of the Dark Spore to stop Kishkumen, he's fine. He's happy. We don't. No one's going to talk about how he was when he was drunk. No one's going to talk about... Any, or treat him any differently or say, hey, let's maybe not have you drink anymore because you get really this way. No one treats him differently. It's just back to business as normal and as usual. I don't, and Tila never saw it to my knowledge because she was away. And Thane kept saying he was mad at Merrick because she made Tila go away. So when he was saying that, I, when he, he first was saying that, I thought, okay, that's when we saw Tila mourning her sister, she's far, far away. She told the group she's not coming back. She, got in the wind left them for good and Thane is just so upset because he was in love with her doesn't excuse his behavior at all but it it explains it no she hasn't gone away left forever it's just two weeks of mourning she's within very close walking distance because Merrick walks to her fairly quickly (laughs) as soon as they have a quest she's like hey we gotta go yeah she's right there and so I thought it was a little over dramatic of Thane to be like, you made her leave. You're the and also, how do they know Merrick is the reason? Because we don't know yet. We, the audience, don't know because Merrick doesn't know. No one's told her that she's a necromancer and that when she uses necromancy, she is visible to other necromancers. Yeah, she finds that out af- like after this. Yeah, supposedly after what has happened, and she doesn't tell. Tila. Tila figures it out because the goddess tells her. But Tila doesn't tell anybody because they make a point of it at the end of the movie after Dagon's fingers get fried. Like She tells them like Tila is like you have to tell them that whenever you use your magic we're being, you will be tracked. And that's why her sister died and they get into a big fight. So we know that they don't know about the magic. 
So the only thing that he can be blaming her for is the fact that she put them on the quest in the first place. But then he wouldn't but have met Tila. Yeah, he wouldn't have met Tila if she hadn't. So it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But he, yeah, he was a belligerent drunk and I didn't like that very much at all because like you said we did see him drunk before and that wasn't how he acted while drunk he didn't have a girlfriend who was in mourning for two weeks before but i <laughs> but this is apparently how he acts so anyway i would not have voted rooted for them or shipped them if that had been my first impression of him so it's good that i watched the first movie and i liked the fact that they were they had a good progression in their relationship it showed him being a little bit more protective of her and her responding very positively to it and they never obviously didn't get together or anything and then um in this movie they finally get to kiss at the end mm-hmm. which is like it's satisfying and it's happy but at the same time you're like eh, what a jerk a little bit yeah honestly i had forgotten by the end of the movie about his antics in the beginning because it was just so out of character from what we knew about thane to begin with and i really like Thane. I've, i said it on the podcast of mythica one but i'll say it again he out of the four of them carries the language of the world the costumes of the world everything of that world the best out of the four of them yeah and i really wish the costuming was better for him because it's it he's just hidden by all these layers for most of the movies it would be just so much nicer if he didn't have quite so many layers yeah the one time that we get to see him without the layers is right before the kiss or like during the kissing scene he's in just his chain mail and then tila helps him get the chain mail off which <laughs> was actually kind of funny because it gets stuck in his hair but you can tell like she's trying to keep up the dialogue <laughs> and so he's and it like having... cuts away and then comes back <laughs> um which chainmail is designed to not get stuck in your hair so when it does it's pretty bad um but it was just funny because i noticed that but it, but that's the only time that we see him without it and i'm glad that they at least did that scene without it but the fight scenes would have been a lot cooler if we actually got to see what he did yeah. but then again maybe they would be worse because we would see what he did and we would like <laughs> the swords like an inch away or something because like maybe it would be worse <laughs> yeah maybe that's maybe that's a tactic is to make it if we just cover them in a bunch of layers nobody knows what they're doing so they'll just believe it well that's also with cole so let's talk about cole oh cole so we meet him he has been trapped- shirtless he well not, not at first at first he's trapped in a web that's a not pixie a shirt. web. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> that's not a shirt. <laughs> but we don't see him. We just yeah. we see a human body, and they do say him. So I'm assuming they somehow knew it was maybe because he well, was so his tall. Voice. Oh, he said something. Yeah, Why that's how they that? found it. He's like, that's not any English I've ever seen. It was oh, him calling for help. What, yes, you're right. That's not any English <laughs> I've ever heard. See, I had forgotten about the fairy scene until the first time we recorded this, like two hours ago. Um, I was reading the summary and it mentioned the fairies. I'm like, oh yeah, that's how they found Cole. <laughs> I had forgotten because the scene's ridiculous. <laughs> you blocked it out. <laughs> I, my mind protected me and it blocked it out. It's really it not is, that bad. It's it, very entertaining, at least. It's it's it really terrible, but it's very entertaining. It reminds me of the pixie scene from Harry Potter 2. Oh, pesty, pis, uh, pesky, pixie, pestinomy. <laughs> whatever it is. But That's what it, they're, they're blue, they're small, they're pesky, but apparently they weave you in a web and cook you over fire and eat you. Mm-hmm. And they have very sharp teeth and 
all this stuff. What? So we talked about this before. What was their plan? <laughs> like, because so Merrick decides we got to help this person. Mm-hmm. Dagan is like, no. And he sits down <laughs> and Tila goes to get the plant. And then Merrick and, <laughs> and Thane go and like try to beat them up with sticks. Like they're these well, tiny little fairies the size of a nickel. <laughs> and like they're trying, she picks up a stick and then he puts his sword away and picks up a bigger stick. <laughs> and they just they just go and start whacking. Talk, and they don't hit anything. <laughs> talk softly and carry a big stick is Thane's philosophy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's it. It's so... They, yeah, they start whacking away at these fairies. Their plan was to get this plant. I was about to call it a weed. I don't know if it's a weed. But it's a plant called Mummer or Mummy, something like that. And throw it on the fire, and the scent of it, the smoke from it, will make the fairies go to sleep. But why did they go and attack before, before she got the plant? I don't know. They just decided to have a scene. Hey, we're going to have our actors whack at imaginary things flying around them. Well, and she doesn't, like, Tila doesn't, isn't the one that puts it in the fire. So it no. was never her intention. She was going to go get it. And... What was their plan? Because Dagan said no, he wasn't going to help. <laughs> but then he, but then he becomes it. the most important part of the plan because he has to jump in, throw the stuff on the fire, and then save them while the things are all paralyzed. And he has to save three people now instead of just the one guy. <laughs> like, Merrick is bad at planning and everybody else just goes along with it. <laughs> I'm telling you, they need a leader. They need... I'm just going to make a lot of Avatar The Last Airbender references. I don't know if I've made one this episode yet. But in Avatar The Last Airbender, they have Sokka. He's the make the plan guy. If you need a plan, he's the one who makes it. And you follow it. And Aang and Katara bring... And later Toph bring the special powers and their special skills and everything. But they don't have a Sokka in their group. They don't have someone who can see a situation look around come look knows everyone's good traits and what they can bring and makes a plan that's believable that's doable and that works they just kind of go in swinging and hope it works out in the end well and Merrick is supposed to be making the plans okay we'll stop it Okay, so Merrick is the one who's supposed to be making the plans, but... She's really bad at it. (laughs) It's not even that she's bad at it. It's that, one, she doesn't communicate it, and they don't agree to it before she just does it. They, like, they all, like... What's his name? Thane. I am so bad at names, you guys. I'm sorry. We've said these names over and over, and I still can't remember. But Thane will follow Merrick to the end because she saved his life, and he like pledged a vow to her right so he'll go through with whatever plan she wants Tila at this point is just trying to keep an eye on Merrick and Dagan has absolutely no reason to be there and often says he's not going to participate like in this particular scenario (laughs) and yet he's the most important part of the plan (laughs) and he does tell them if I get eaten by the fairies tell them it was a dragon instead yeah (laughs) he's like I don't want to do this and yeah he's the unwilling he's kind of like Bilbo Baggins where he's kind of unwilling but he's really necessary to the plot ends up being the most important person but he does that again and again and again in the same movie well and I think like if he was this like scampish roguish in the first movie it would have been better 
and we talked about this before, so I don't know if we're repeating ourselves. That's the problem with having to record these things twice. Yeah. But had like his character arc is going backwards. <laughs> yes. Okay. We haven't said it in this recording of it okay. yet. So in the first movie, he, he needed to be switched. The way he is in this movie is the way he should have been in the first movie. The way he was in the first movie should have been a lot. Clo- should have been what happened in this movie. They switched it. We had progress with him in the first movie. We it happened a little too fast. We talked about that. How he just kind of went from slutty, slutty, slutty. Oh, I might be falling in love with Merrick a little bit more slutty over here. But he had progress. We saw that they would be good together. We saw that he had real feelings for her. And then in this movie, I just didn't like him nearly as much. He went back to being a jerk. He made a lot of inappropriate comments about Tila to Thane. He was very slutty all around with all the women everywhere except the ones in his group. And he was very insanely jealous of her and Cole, which is understandable when you that you were jealous when someone that you like is spending time with someone else and very clearly likes this someone else. But he just he it's as though any growth or progress that he made in the previous movie was lost here. And it just didn't make very much sense because I was thinking, oh, are they trying to pivot to Cole being the main love interest? Are they going to do that instead of her and Dagon? But then they kill Cole. Well, but even before that, they show us that Dagon still has feelings for her because in like the nightmare tunnel, he has a vision of them kissing and then her stealing his life force again. And so he clearly likes her. He's afraid of her, but he clearly likes her. And like, what is the point of showing us that? except that he still likes her and the fact that he's getting so jealous and he actually sits between them (laughs) when they're like making goo goo eyes at each other (laughs) and so like he clearly likes Merrick and so he wants to be with her and by the end when Cole is dead and he goes and rescues her with Thane like and well and, and he also gives her the dragon teeth that moment so they see the Tila and Thane kissing and they're like sitting talking to each other and it's a very nice it's a good moment like I feel like that's how they should have been throughout the whole movie yes. it's just like cool with each other and then he gives her the money to buy her freedom he didn't have to do that this entire quest he wanted money he wanted the dragon's gold like that was the whole point of him going on the quest as far as he's concerned and he didn't get it except for these dragon teeth. So he had every right to not give her a quote unquote share, but he did, you know? So it's like, and when he leans in, the bag is sort of behind Merrick and he leans in and you think he's going to go for a kiss, which I was like, wrong moment. Thank heavens he didn't go for a kiss, but it's a nice moment of she didn't move away. You know, he leaned in kind of was flirting with her and grabbed the bag. Like, Oh, you thought I was going to kiss you, huh? But really getting the bag of, these dragon teeth to give you and so it was a really nice moment i wanted more moments like that from the beginning because it would have made much a much better love triangle because i wasn't really rooting for dagan it wasn't really much of a love triangle for me this movie mm-hmm. i i wanted cole i like cole ultimately i would have liked well you know what let me go back so we talked about the fairy scene mm-hmm. i have to go back because they the fairies are paralyzed they start the fairies make webs as if they're spiders. They get Thane out of the web, they get Merrick out of the web, then they get this man that they don't know out of the web, and he's an elf with markings on his face. 
and a very well-sculpted body because he is shirtless. <laughs> he is shirtless. And they have a, a very specific camera angle following him as he walks out and the women staring at him. It is the female gaze, 100%. <laughs> a female directed this. You can tell. And Merrick and Tila are just, oh my gosh, look at him. He's so beautiful. And Dagan immediately does not like him, distrusts him because of the markings on his face doesn't believe a word that Cole says about who he is, why he's there, anything. Cole says that he's been cursed to walk the earth until he appeases the gods and he's been walking for a long time and he is older than he looks and everything and says that he's part of this one elven clan that was destroyed. That was destroyed and Dagan says bullcrap, you can't be part of that clan because they're destroyed. You're a part of this other clan that are liars and we shouldn't trust you. And he starts to go after Cole, and Merrick jumps in between them, and she puts her hands out and touches Cole's chest and gets some vision. <laughs> His beautifully sculpted chest. <laughs> I'm, the actor, I will say, because usually when you get pretty actors like that, it's very rare, like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, like, they're very rare to have, like, sculpted bodies and be able to act. Yeah. <laughs> And I think this guy did a good job. Like he's oh, in yeah. he's in a lower budget movie, but I think he did just as good as anybody else that's on this movie. Oh, absolutely. I really thought he he had a good handle on the character and that's another reason I'm disappointed because I would have loved to see him dig deeper and go deeper with the character and really us, you know, pull some some of his past out, see how he goes forward after the betrayal because I would have still if I was writing this, if Tay and I were in charge of this story, I would have done up until a certain point the same with his character, but I would have had him live after the betrayal. Yeah, I think that that just gives so much more room for cool storytelling of, you know, Merrick, you know, like Merrick isn't going to trust him now because he betrayed her and he betrayed everybody, but he also fought with them. And so she can forgive him a little bit, but still going to be kind of wary. <laughs> So when she touches his chest, when she jumps in between him and Dagan, she has a vision of her and Cole kissing and then herself sobbing. So immediately you know, okay, the heartbreak is on its way. And so you kind of are agreeing with Dagan at this moment in time, but for whatever reason, Merrick and Tila just jump in and give Cole all the information about their entire mission. <laughs> Literally. This is where we're going. This is what we're getting. This is who we're looking for. Like, just... <laughs> spill it all out whilst this man stands there shirtless like he hasn't I don't even think he's introduced himself at that point no. they're like do you know where this person is this is what we need <laughs> and he's like uh and then and, and he's just like shocked Dagan says stop telling him the mission and Tila continues yeah like, <laughs> like, Merrick stops and Tila just can like <laughs> keeps going so funny that Dang, take off your shirt distract Tila yeah <laughs> that's what needed to happen so they tell Cole all of this, and then they walk off. He he joins their party. Um, he tries to say that he wants to swear an oath or something to Merrick out of den. She says, "No, you don't have to. I don't. I won't make someone else a slave." They walk off, and Thane says, "Now we have to find him a shirt." <laughs> and literally, the next scene, he's like fully clothed in stuff that is, you know, on the level of what Thane wears, which is way too much that he can't move. And the shoulders, the, shoulders, the tunic, everything. So we had talked about it before, but it just kind of appears like <laughs> they need to find him a shirt. And then he's got like a full armor and <laughs> his weapons. So clearly he got them back from the fairy stole it. 
So maybe the fairies were the reason he was shirtless, or they attacked him while he was taking a bath. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows why he was shirtless at well, the beginning, other than the director <laughs> saw the actor and said, we need a shirtless scene, because he's basically Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans, and we can afford him, and that's fantastic. And that's what they did. <laughs> they had a full scene of very much like Thor the Dark World, when Chris Hemsworth is... Uh, he's at the water basin and he, you know, kind of puts water on his arms and then he walks over to the window all somberly and everything. That's basically almost the same thing they did with Cole as he emerges from the web as, as he walks across is that camera angle <laughs> just following him. And you get the women staring at him a la Chris Evans and Captain America when he emerges <laughs> and everyone's just staring. You even get a chest touch. It's just very female gazy and it was hilarious to watch. Well, and I like... so. I typically don't like this character, like the, the, the guy that throws a wrench into the romance and the the betrayer guy. Like, I don't typically like that character, but I feel like this actor really brought something to the screen. Like, he was pleasant to see on the screen. He didn't have, like like you said, he had lines that were wise. So we didn't have a ton of dialogue that was that really needed anything and so I don't know necessarily if he's like the greatest actor, but he does have a good screen presence and I enjoyed watching him and I enjoyed the fact like they would not have made it through this mission without him because when, first of all, he suggests the shortcut, then when they get attacked, he's the one that stops her from killing all of them. And then when they go through the tunnel, he's the only reason they get out because he tells them to tie themselves together and the nightmares don't affect him and so he's able to drag them all through so because dark magic doesn't affect him which here's the weird thing when Dagan saw the marks and and said he's not to be trusted and then we found out the marks protect him from dark magic I said why isn't everyone just going around marking themselves <laughs> in this world to protect themselves from dark magic like why is that something to be distrustful of someone else over we don't know very much about elvish culture in fact while we saw dagan's elf ears in the first movie he has pointed ears we no one called him elf or made mention of him being an elf he didn't mention it no one else mentioned it until this movie and all of a sudden they call him elf constantly mm -hmm. he sends a message with the woman down to thane and merrick and she's like the elf sent this message for you and I, it took me so long to figure out that it was dagan and he says that's not like any Elvish I've ever heard. And is it Cole that calls him half breed? Yeah, Cole calls him half breed. So because Dagan attacks him and is like, "You're a liar!" <laughs> like they don't, like these people have been destroyed and they don't put marks on their face, uh, demonic marks or whatever on their face. And he's like, "Yeah, what do you know about it, half breed?" So Dagan is not a full elf. It seems like his ears are not as pointy <laughs> as the other ones, but. Something It's so weird that they didn't mention that in the first movie. They had the ears on him, so they knew he was an elf. Yeah, like it wasn't something they decided, oh, we should make him an elf. Do we see his ears? No. <laughs> you know? And then this movie is all they call him or talk about is the fact that he is an elf and then apparently a half-breed. And it's just a little weird that they didn't even mention it in the first movie. In this movie, you just hit, hit over the head. Oh, is he an elf? <laughs> is he? Yeah. And so that was a little weird. I would have liked if they had at least mentioned if he had said something in elvish or mentioned something that he was an elf or someone called him an elf so there was precedence to this movie and him knowing something about elvish language and elven culture so that we could 
it would make sense. But I mean, they had mentioned it so many times at that point, it it still made sense. It was just random that people started calling him that after a full movie of no one calling him that. Yeah. So there was that. But I really would have liked to change a few, just a few tw tweaks of this script, and I think it could have been a much better story. Because it has a really good foundation. I like the foundation of the story. I think just a few tweaks would have made it more pleasant to watch. Like you said, I wouldn't have had Karen die, you know, 30 seconds after the first movie ends. Because the first movie ends happy. But if you've watched the second movie, now when you watch the first movie, you're not going to be happy. Because you know the second she steps out that door, she's going to get killed. Yeah. Like, it ruins it. I hate that. All they had to do was make it happen a couple days down the, the line. A, a day or a week. It would not have changed the plot of the story in any way, shape, or form. Right. Like, you could have just had them meeting back at the tavern a day or two later. And then Tila could get the vision and be like, oh, I gotta go. And they find her. And she's dead. And they and uh, Dagan picks up the statue and gets the map the same way. Like... All of it could have happened the same way. It wouldn't have it wouldn't changed, have changed anything. And also, so when the flash, like at the beginning of the movie, we see Karen in the veil, and she looks perfectly preserved, mm -hmm. even though it's apparently been fourteen days, <laughs> and it's not like they have like embalming or anything. <laughs> like, so I was at first thinking like, oh, she's like, and it, and when it shows, um. Kishkuman kill her it he like puts his fingers to her head and like sucks the life out of her like necromancy and I was thinking oh he must have like cursed her for like because, eternal sleep or like Snow White or something especially <laughs> yeah. because when you go out and she's dying and Tila's holding her as she's dying she has black around her eyes and it's mm -hmm. like spider webbing out from her eyes so it makes sense that you think oh she's cursed or something she's not exactly dead because when we see her under the death shroud thing, she doesn't have those black markings anymore. Not yeah. that I could see. So I would have had her maybe cursed to sleep or just yeah, under some could... sort of curse instead of dead. Yeah, and we could, you could do fun stuff with that. Like at the end, maybe they, they do something to break the curse and then she's able to get there and, and save them all rather than having the um, the healing potion or Tila. And she could she could actually save... Cole and then Cole could wake up and be like oh my gosh I love you you know and <laughs> and that could have added dimension go, to the, go away Merrick I yeah love <laughs> to the Merrick uh like the Merrick Dagan triangle it could have added more to the story it could have been fun I would have preferred that and here's the thing Merrick after Cole dies you don't really see a whole lot of mourning from her which is weird for two reasons one is because she has the vision of sobbing at after the vision of kissing him. But two, she does kiss him for real. They fight the dragon in this ruined city, which is where they get the dark spore. Dagon and Cole almost die. And Cole starting to get up off, off the ground. And Merrick just runs past Dagon and tackles Cole to the ground and just lays one on him. He's lying on top of him. They're like making out. And Dagon is standing not even a foot away like it it's okay i'm fine i, I don't need a kiss it's all good <laughs> as they're like making out <laughs> so she's kissed cole she clearly had a close connection with him they had lots of talks together the two of them and we don't really see her mourning and it's not just because he he wasn't e completely evil when he betrayed them he thought he was getting his curse lifted and helping them at the same time helping them get away 
alive. Right. Which was foolish of him to believe Kishkumen, but apparently he'd been cursed for a long time and desperate to be released from said curse. Which, I wasn't exactly clear on it. He just can't die until the curse is lifted? I wasn't or... clear on that either. They don't really say well, what the curse entails. Because, well, and then when he lifts it, it's just like, he just says, okay, you're not cursed anymore. Like, there's yeah. no there's no fanfare <laughs> for it. And so you don't actually know if Kishkumen kept his word and he actually took away his curse. But if his curse was to live forever, then one, why was he afraid of dying? And two, like, they could have utilized that in his death scene. Because it would have been like, I'm finally free to and die. And now dead. And now he's like, and now I have something to live for. You know, Merrick, I have something to live for and I don't want to die. And then he dies and it's like, that's just a missed opportunity <laughs> to have a really emotional death scene and emotional parting it just he just dies. It was very loud. Do you remember what he says? I don't remember at all what he says. Maybe he says something about being free. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I know. I, I don't think it was about being free. Oh, he tells Merrick there's always another choice or another way or something because they had been talking about. Well, and he had said that, and he, he had convinced her not to use necromancy when uh, Tila was stabbed and and everything was going bad. He's like, there's yeah. another way, and she uses the wand and like hits him, and then they start fighting. So. There's one scene that really makes me laugh. It's they're they're walking to the ruined city, everyone all together, and Merrick and Cole want to keep going, and Tila, Thane, and Dagan say, "No, we have to take a rest." So Tila, Thane, and Dagan sit down, kind of on the series of rocks in the sand, and they sit down and they're duking water, resting their feet, and Merrick and Cole keep walking. And then we go to the shot. It's a beautiful shot by I think it's a lake, and you see this. The sky is, the sun is setting, and she and Cole walk to the edge of the water and sit down somewhere, and they have maybe a 30-second conversation, and this is where he tells her, you know, you always have another choice, there's always another way, but it is a short conversation, short enough that I remember the exact angle at which they entered and got to their seats, because then they stand up, and you go back to this beautiful shot, and they walk back the exact same way and everything <laughs> that they entered. And I just, in that moment, I said, I bet you, I bet you like $100 that the director saw that beautiful scene shot. Just like everybody would want to use that in their film and be like, hey, you have to have this conversation somewhere. Let's just have, you know, you're just going to walk on, sit down, say your lines and then walk back off the way you came. <laughs> and it just, it took me out a little bit, made me laugh a little bit, but it was a beautiful shot. And I did like that conversation. It was pertinent to the plot, but it was just really funny that they, like, we're not going to rest, you know, you'll catch up with this later. And then they go, they sit somewhere and then they get up and instead of continuing on they go back the way they came <laughs> like you couldn't even like flip the, the film or anything <laughs> we're just gonna go pick up our friends now and then we'll continue on yeah so this movie definitely had a lot of problems um the fight scenes we really need to as a society come up with a better way to fight with something off screen because I feel like that's a pretty common problem <laughs> is when people are like poking and jabbing and like getting hit by something and they just fall like it doesn't look good like we need to come up with a new technique well in Harry Potter I want to say it's seven part one the the giant snake like is it Nagini that they get attacked by mm-hmm they had they had a tennis ball on the end of a stick <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I would I would take it. Well, that's what that's how they did everything. Like Dobby yeah. was a tennis ball on a stick. <laughs> the golden snitch was like a tennis ball <laughs> with Cameron Diaz's picture on it. Wait, it had Cameron Diaz's picture on it? Yeah, because Daniel Radcliffe had a crush on her. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> I did not know that. It's surprising to have a Harry Potter fact I don't know. That is really funny. I So what you're saying is, Taya, when we do our own fantasy action movie, we need a tennis ball on a stick? Yes, very much so. Okay. But I guess he didn't have any tennis balls on the sticks for this yeah. movie. Well, for, like, for the scenes when you are fighting something that is off screen. Yes. Like, if you're fighting something on screen and it's uh, CGI and stuff, I understand those issues. Like, I understand you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> but when you're fighting something off screen, like, we need a better, like, way and a better technique to get that portrayed. I really wouldn't know. I'm trying to think. My brain is so tired. But, yeah, it just, it doesn't flow as well. And... I don't know. I kind of think I kind of like this one better because the characters are established and they're a little bit they make a little bit more sense. See, I don't like this one as much because Dagan goes backwards. Dane goes a little bit backwards in the beginning. But I feel like Dagan should have been that in the first one and that's kind of what I was missing from him in the first one. Yeah, but we already just... got progress <laughs> and then they took it back. Right. I think it was I think it was backwards and I shouldn't have liked Dagan because he should have been the guy he was in the first movie. But just watching this movie by itself, I liked the characters overall. There was parts where I could not stand Dagan, and he makes, you know, inappropriate uh, comments about Tila, which I don't like. And, in a like, when he interrupts them, so, like, when she's bathing. Oh, yeah. And he makes comments after that. Like, there's some inappropriate innuendos that he goes to, and it's not cool. And so I don't like that about him. But I like the fact that he sits down and waits for them to get into trouble and then he'll help. <laughs> you know, like, I like that part of it. I like the fact that he is all about the treasure, but then in the end, he splits the treasure. You know, like, I, I like that part. I like, I do like that he has a lot of awkward moments in this movie. Yes, he does. So <laughs> Tila is bathing. Thane is keeping watch to make sure no one interrupts, which he does a bad job of it because Dagan very clearly <laughs> interrupts her bathing. But... So Tila and Thane are gone. So it's just Merrick, Cole, and Dagan. And this is the first day that they they just rescued Cole. They're setting up camp for the night. Merrick and Cole are just goo-goo eyes at each other. And Dagan comes and sits in between them and tries to make, you know, talk. And then says, I'm going to go see what Thane and Tila are up to. And he threatens Cole. He says, you harm one hair on her head and I'll kill you. And he just leaves. <laughs> and he's been telling people all day, I don't trust this guy. He's a liar. He's going to slit our throats in our sleep. I don't like him. And then he just leaves them alone because it was kind of an awkward moment. And <laughs> he didn't want to be there anymore. And then he had to use the bathroom in the woods as men are able to. And I'm so jealous of that ability because I hate it when I go camping and all that stuff but he has to you go to the bathroom <laughs> we, can, we can go to the bathroom in the woods too it's just I not convenient know, it's not, that's the thing I'm jealous of the convenience anyway but he's going to the bathroom you don't see anything of course but it, it interrupts Tila's bath time and she and Thing kind of had this moment and then he goes on to make rude remarks but it starts off as an awkward moment I like the awkward moments I think they're funny I think it's funny that he's the cause of them or inserts himself into them as if he's trying to make it awkward. But he just left Merrick and Cole after 
telling everybody that he was dangerous and a liar. He's just like, okay, bye. See ya. Peace out. Just leaves her there with him. And also, what happened to her limp? I didn't... Yeah. <laughs> she's supposed okay. to have a limp. She's terrible at limping. She... I thought, so when she gets thrown in the cell at the end, she doesn't have her brace on. And she totally puts, like, tons of weight on that foot. And it's completely straight, which when we see it at the very beginning of the first movie, when we see her foot, the only time we actually see her foot, her foot is bent in. So the brace is supposed to encase her foot so that she steps on the brace rather than her foot. But when she doesn't have the brace on, <laughs> she shouldn't be able to put weight on her foot. But she, like, first of all, when she gets thrown in there, she just walks over to the corner, lays down, and puts all of her weight onto one the, the broken foot and Which puts is... her head down. Mm -hmm. And then when they come to rescue her, stands up on that foot and runs towards them. And the whole movie, we see lots of shots of her running and walking. And sometimes it looks as if she's remembered, oh, yes, I have a limp. and <laughs> But barely. But barely. It's definitely not nearly when it as is, pronounced. When it's convenient for the plot for her to have a limp, she has a limp. <laughs> and it's not nearly as pronounced as the first movie. I get it. It's hard to keep up a limp for the entire filming process. But that is what your character has. You have to remember so, that. <laughs> um, Hugh Laurie um, plays House on the TV show House. The character of House has to walk with a limp. Mm -hmm. And Hugh Laurie said, every time I walk into a hospital now, I start limping. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because he got so used to the hospital setting that and limping <laughs> that it's like it just starts happening automatically. That's what this girl needed to get to, and she was not there. Whenever I'm in the woods, I just start limping. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just got so used to it. So, uh, I didn't like Dagan as much, but again, that's more because the progress was, like, flip-flopped, and I didn't like that as much. I wish it had been opposite. I liked Tila and Thane that they, you know, get their moment to be together and everything, but there was definitely... It was good that we watched the first movie and just didn't, for whatever reason, jump over to the second because a lot of their relationship was established in the first movie and that led to the second movie. Yeah. I still wish Cole was alive. It's a fantasy <laughs> that involves necromancy. He might come back, but I just... I, I think he's a one-off character. Like, we, we've said before that this is someone's D&D &D campaign and I think that, you know, they had to, like somebody else come in one one night <laughs> to do like a, a they, session they could only they're visiting from out of town only there for one yeah. night want to play D, D with some new people and they're like okay we'll give you the coolest character ever yeah we'll give you this hot character who has who can't get hurt by dark magic and then like, kill you off and we'll kill you off at the end i kind of feel like that's what what he was is he was just this one-off character and i do wonder in the next movie if they're going to have um, Merrick mourn him a little bit more because again no one in these movies has shown proper like responses <laughs> to people dying None. or reactions to when horrible things happen I mean Tila cries when she's right by Karen and Karen's covered by the death shroud and she is a little more angry and angsty along the way that's the closest that we've gotten yeah. to a proper response to death other than that it's just been very well and like I guess you could say that 
um, Thane being a jerk at the beginning of the response, but... Anger is a stage of grief. But it seems weird that, like, their biggest response to anything or anyone dying is someone that they met for, like, two seconds. Right. And so, like, they're more upset that Tila is upset than they are actually upset. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know. They, They don't have proper reactions, which is a sign of a low-budget movie, <laughs> right? But also, the group, I don't like their dynamics, just them. I want to... I liked the dynamic that Cole brought in. He brought a balance, a stoicism, a stillness, a calmness, a wisdom, a aura about him. I really hope that in the next movie, we get more of Kevin Sorbo's Gojin Pai. Yeah. And he actually comes and actually trains Merrick and we get that balance because I think he could be that stoic, wise balance that I think the group really needs. I agree. I think that... And he was only in two scenes in this movie. So in the movie, first movie, he was in one. <laughs> this movie, he's in two. Next so... time, he better be in three because <laughs> I want to... We started watching these because of Kevin Sorbo. Like, that was the motivation behind it was Kevin Sorbo. The poster is of Merrick and Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in the poster for the second one as well. And they actually made his face just a little bit smaller, which is funny because he's in one more scene in the movie. <laughs> he's more prominent in this one than he is in the other one. But not on the poster. So what's going to happen is his face will get smaller and smaller, but his part will get bigger. It better. <laughs> so the next one came out a year after this one, yes. um, according to Google. So we'll see what happens with the next one if they just ruin this happy ending. I mean, this this ending is a little bittersweet, but... (laughs) Which I was thinking the ending should, quote-unquote, if they had known that they were doing more movies, in my opinion, the ending should have been ended with Merrick in the dungeon. We don't know what she's going to do. She's in a worse position than she was at the start of this entire franchise because she's lost people, she's, you know, faced down a lot of death and a lot of really awful events, and now she's in a worse position as a slave than she was before because this guy is gonna not do great things yeah. with her as a <laughs> he's, slave. He's actually malicious rather than just being a jerk. Yes, and so... Do you want to stop it? Yeah. Okay, so those are... That's pretty much our thoughts on this movie. Well, I yeah, this movie should have ended with Merrick in the dungeon, especially if they had known another movie was coming and then opened with her rescue. But since the third one was released a year after, they might not have known they got a third one. And that's why they decided to do the happy ending. But the thing that ruined it was we don't get time to process that she's in a dungeon in a bad spot. Like, she's in the dungeon, and then ten seconds later, she's freed. Well, and I talked about this before. My issue with it is, like, I'm taking, or I'm listening to, like, a storytelling lecture series. And one of the things that they talked about that makes perfect sense is the idea of you have story archetypes, right? And if you have, if you, you know, like one is like an event. So if you have an event story type, there's an event that changes the status quo. And in order for it to end satisfactory, you have to um, create a new status quo that is satisfying. If you have a character story, then your character has to start out one way and, um, and by to, to do it satisfactorily, the character has to change or become happy, right? And 
the way that they explained it is like if you have a box and the first thing that you open is this event then the last thing that you should close is the event if the second thing you open is a character or a mystery then that is the order you know that you the order that you present it has to be the reverse order you have to fit the boxes back inside the the first box like a russian doll those russian yeah dolls, like a russian nesting doll like mm-hmm. like you can't put the big one in the little one you have to put them back in reverse order and i think that the problem with this the very first thing that we um the very first thing that we're introduced to the problem is karen's Karen's death and the stone and in order to have a satisfying ending to that we have to close that chapter and they do they have the final battle and all of that happens and then the second thing that we have is like the uh, we learn about Merrick wanting to not be a slave anymore and how much it's going to cost and everything like that and the problem is is that they didn't finish that in reverse order (laughs) they did it afterwards and so we get the conclusion to something after we got the conclusion to the opening thing so it doesn't fit right it doesn't like the order is off the order of events is off and um And so had they finished with her being thrown in the dungeon or had her get thrown in the dungeon at the beginning of the first movie or something, it would have been satisfactory in like in the right order. But the way that they did it, it feels weird. It feels wrong and it feels rushed. It feels like we had this entire story of her going and getting her freedom getting it taken away, getting put in a dungeon, getting freed from the dungeon and (laughs) ready to go all within like two minutes at the end of the film after we had already had the satisfactory conclusion of them losing the stone and the um the elf dying and and everything like that like but they're all healed and they're all safe and that's the real important thing and blah 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 so it just it was backwards yeah it was a little backwards i think there were quite a few things in this movie that just needed to be a little bit switched around and the story would have been more cohesive, would have made more sense, and it would have been better storytelling overall. Um, We also said in the previous recording of this, I didn't get saved, that we wish at least one of the female elves who died in the battle would have survived because I also think they would have been a really neat character or character story to go into moving forward. And if if they didn't want Coldy part of the group, then maybe one of the female elves could have been part of the group and provide what I, again, think the group is missing. I hope that in the third one they recognize that the group is missing that and that Gojin Pyle, aka Kevin Sorbo, comes and is the Gandalf of their group. I would really enjoy that. Yeah. Or just someone and then have him be part of the... Well, I, I, just want want to... Kev... I just want Kevin Sorbo, okay? I just... I, I want, want him to be the main character. <laughs> I want to see him training Merrick. I want to see yeah. him join the group. And they have these little side things where he's training her and she's blowing up trees. And... and it's so frustrating because they talk about all this darkness and Tila's all mad at her for the darkness. And literally, Kevin Sorbo says he will train her. And then she Luke Skywalker's him and just leaves. <laughs> She leaves. He's going to be back in like three days. And she's like, nope, I don't need training. I'm just going to be a ticking time bomb and take all of my closest friends with me on this dangerous quest and not know how to do anything, not know how to control it. Almost kill them just, you know, a couple times here and there. Ruin Dagon's hands, which, okay, I swear in at least one of the shots, 
So we see it's his right hand when it mm-hmm. happens, and I swear there's just one shot where it's his left hand. They did the makeup on the wrong hand. <laughs> and then it switches back the next scene. So either they flip the camera for whatever reason. Which they might have. Or I don't know my left or my right. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> I, it's possible. When it's like it's like the limp on her leg in the first. She doesn't have a limp in this movie, <laughs> but in the first movie, her limp went from one leg to the other sometimes. I I swear there was it, it was really fast. It only lasts a few seconds, but I remember looking and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's his left. It was it his left hand? No, it was his right hand. I remember because that's the one that he pulls back on the bow and why he was so mad because he said he can't shoot his bow anymore. And then the next scene, it was his right hand and he was poking at his fingers, and I was like, okay. Yeah. I was correct. It was the right hand. So, just little things. I I think overall, I like the direction of this movie. The story, I'm, I do like the story overall, the overarching. There's a lot of cheesy. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny that his name is Kush Kuman, <laughs> which, if you're not LDS. <laughs> you have no idea about that name. Well, you could be non-LDS and know that name, but it's an LDS it is in the Book of Mormon, in yes. case you were wondering. And he is not a good guy. No. So. <laughs> they did film this in Utah, and I'm sure that because they filmed in Utah, they had a lot of crew and cast members in the background who were LDS. And so maybe, they're like, we're looking for a name for a bad guy. We wanted to settle fantasy and call it Kishkuman. Kishkuman. That's, we, we know where they were in their studying. Of yeah, the exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, That's so funny. if you have any questions about Kish Kuman, let us know, <laughs> and we'll direct you to the verses. I don't know them off I, the top of my head. I really don't either. But he's I a very bad, remember. very bad man in in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> they were just really angry at him <laughs> and decided to put him into this movie His as well. Evil with yellow eyes, which I swear look green sometimes, but I think that's just more me than the movie because I can tell. But. Unlike in Harry Potter, they actually put contacts in yes. someone's eyes to change his <laughs> eye color. And I know why they didn't do it for Daniel Radcliffe, because they tried and, and tried, and he was, it was not... They didn't try and try. They tried one time. I they, they tried, tried multiple no, times. No, they tried at the beginning, the very first movie, they tried. He didn't like them, and... Well, he had a reaction to yeah. them. Well, he had a, like, he cried, which happens when you have contacts for the first time. <laughs> but... He was 11, and I think forcing an 11-year-old to wear contacts if they're itching and irritating is not a good idea. So I understand that. I'm okay with it. But by the time he was, like, in the fourth movie, he was already, like, 17 and because there was, like, a but gap. his eyes were established by then. But they weren't really. <laughs> and no. they could have made them green. And they should, 100% should have made Lily's eyes either blue like his, or if they had changed them to green, they could have made her eyes green to I, match his. I agree with you on the Lily part. They could have digitally altered that very easily. Or they could have just cast a green-eyed little girl. That girl doesn't have lines. Yeah. Like, she, she doesn't can, have to say anything. All they, she has to do is look pretty at the camera for, like, three seconds. <laughs> and they could put a red wig on her if they can't find a green-eyed yeah. redhead or blue-eyed redhead. Which apparently is not as common or something. Well, a blue-eyed redhead is the least common combination in the world. Really? My niece is blue-eyed. I have, like, five people in my family who are (laughs) blue-eyed with red hair. You do. That's why I know that statistic, because my sister looked it up, and she was like, that can't be true. We have, like, five in our family. And then she's like, oh, wait, actually, (laughs) like, if you think about, like, the most common is brown hair and black eyes. Or black (laughs) eyes. Black hair and brown eyes, because, like... 
China has a huge population and um, a lot of other countries have like a huge population with dark hair and dark eyes and mm-hmm. blue eyes are the rare ma- blue eyes? I don't know. I thought it was hazel eyes were the rarest but I could be wrong. I don't know but redheads make up a very very small margin of the population and then to have blue eyes on top of that. on top of that is least likely of all a redheads either having brown or green eyes is more likely than blue eyes so it's like less than one percent or like less than like zero 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 one percent what you're saying is my niece could have been lily yes she had a stereotype. <laughs> my niece is a model i'm not even kidding she's 19 and she's a model so she, she was she, she alive at that time how long 19. ago how long ago did that movie come out she's 19 it's been within the last 19 years <laughs> she i don't know how old she might have been too old to play lily depending on the age they wanted which they wanted little so she might have been too old well any of my nieces Possibly. could play her now yes. so <laughs> you have you have much younger nieces than i do that is a true fact anyway so just shout out to my niece and not that she ever listens but if you are hi i love you and i like your that you're a model and i can see why with your red hair and blue eyes yeah because that is very very rare very even rare. though there's like Again, five in my immediate family. <laughs> well, she's also, you know, she has that tall model look and everything. Anyway. No. Well, my my family's short, so. <laughs> well, my family is too, and then randomly she's tall. Anyway, moving <laughs> on from that. So, I can't remember what we're saying. Follow us on Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Your Little Sisters Productions. We also have a Twitter, YLS underscore productions. Twitter finally recognized that we are real. We are human. The hoops I had to jump through. <laughs> it's a whole story. But... Have we even posted since we've had a Twitter? Yes. We just, we just got it for kicks and giggles. <laughs> we've posted on our Twitter. I haven't posted on Facebook or Instagram that we have a Twitter. I will do that so that everyone on Facebook and Instagram can follow us over to Twitter. But the hoops I had to jump through and get us a Twitter were insane. <laughs> So follow us on Twitter to make those hoops worthwhile. <laughs> it took me almost an hour. <laughs> why is it so? Why is it so hard to make a Twitter? <laughs> I don't know, but before Elon Musk bought them, we couldn't even do it. So at least with his new program, we were able to prove we are human. So what, whatever changes he did, at least it was just hoops, and it was actually able to get done. It was so funny, you guys. <laughs> anyway i am so tired i'm laughing till i'm crying because i'm just exhausted so so go ahead and follow us on those social medias let us know what you thought of these movies if you've seen them if you haven't let us know what your thoughts are based on our reviews if it makes you want to see them or not recommend other movies to us yeah let us know about independent films again we don't watch rated R movies, so independent films aren't always rated. These ones were not rated. However, we looked at the parental guidance um, suggestions, and they were something that we were... They were what we were okay with. So, Even if the violence goes up and down in scale. Yes. We talked about that in the first one. It definitely... In the first recording, yeah, it the, didn't save. Well, I mean, the, the first mm. movie. And in the first movie, yeah. In this one, sometimes there's no blood when they're fighting, and other times there's way too much fake blood when they're fighting. And movie. other times there's stupid CGI blood that looks so ridiculous. So that's this movie. But even though it goes up and down in violence, it was not past the level that we're uncomfortable with. Yeah. So if you have an independent film that is not more gory than this, we would definitely love to check it out. Um, 
and any suggestions that you have for big blockbuster movies or indie movies like this or Kickstarter movies like this. Oh, and I also wanted to give a shout out to Brittany because she said that she was part of the Kickstarter of these movies. <laughs> so she donated to the Kickstarter of these movies. She didn't remember which movie, so it might have been the first two or the second two. I don't know. But either way, shout out to Brittany. And I think that's everything. That is. So signing off, I'm Laura. I'm Taya. Bye. Bye.